You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. We are, uh, it's, it's just dudes this time, so if you're expecting to hear from a lady, we are done with that series, but it was a great series. I thought it... It turned out to be really, really good um, with uh, Olivia Olivia and Elizabeth. Um, If y'all haven't listened to those episodes, go check them out. It's really, really cool. Something a little bit different uh, for an off-season thing. But, uh, man, I am excited about turkey season, leaving tomorrow for the first turkey hunt of the year. But as we kind of transition into turkey season, and that's really where a lot of our thoughts are going to be at. Um, There is still things to be done in the deer woods. There's things that, that you have to be doing right now, or you, you you can be doing right now to really increase your success. Um, So today we got Casey here going on. Casey is going to be filming for us this week uh, in Florida. And so he's hanging here at the house, going to chill out with the pod with us on the podcast tonight. We got Matt Reeves and Luke Parker here and uh i think it's gonna be a a fun conversation matt you kind of are the one who really came up with this this idea for this uh this these next couple of podcasts why don't you give us a little rundown about what they can expect to hear tonight and uh on this episode and then what we're looking forward to next week yeah um you you really hit on it with the i'd say our key word is transition um, it's really hard. Um, I know we all get run down at the end of deer season and ready for something different, whether it's fishing, um, turkey hunting, you know, we're getting right into the middle of it, but I kind of had this idea, um, with bringing on a, a previous guest, um, David Miller. He's a, he's a very good post scouting, um, hunter. Uh, he's very good at it. He's in the mountains, kind of similar to our region. And he does a lot of shed hunting too. And so I, I'm really intrigued with shed hunting and the benefits that it can have uh, going for you next season. Now you don't hear that talked about a lot here in the South, you know, not people aren't, you know, trekking through the hills just to find two or three sheds, which that's kind of the success rate down here. But I I really wanted to dive in to kind of 
some, I wouldn't say conspiracies, but kind of what we see here in Alabama uh, when we get out of deer season, whether it's, you know, deer disappearing, uh, whether that be because one, we're not looking for them, or two, they they really do go somewhere to a different food source or whatnot. And then, you know, we'll, we'll get into how we, some of these areas that we never touch during the season because you know you don't want to go in there and potentially blow out at your target buck because you know some people believe that they run miles and miles away you never see them again that can be the case sometimes but i really want to dive in on the, some of the do's now that are usually don'ts um in the season so just a really cool way to jump in there um and get through there and what we're also going to do is we're going to ask you uh listeners uh, we want y'all to submit some questions this week, whether that's a message to our Instagram account, uh, which is Southern Ground Hunting, and we want we want y'all's input on this next um, this next podcast with Dave. We'll be recording with him uh, for, the, for the for this next week, but we we want y'all involved. Um, so we're gonna pick three three questions from y'all. Um, send it our way. We'll respond back to you, uh, and really want to get y'all involved with this. So. That that's kind of what we're looking forward to for the next two weeks. So we'll uh, jump into that and uh, see where we can go. I think I think you guys, uh, especially both of you, Luke and Matt, ha- are able to have a, a a good perspective on this. I, and and I feel like anybody who has access to a a decent amount of private land um, where you can put food out. Right, you can mm-hmm. kind of manipulate things to, to to keep up with the deer right now, um, but like like you said, man, like it, where I where I typically hunt, it's big woods and big woods. It's really seasonal deer activity. Um, it's not like we have a bunch of crops or even food plots or the, no mineral sites and and like that's just. When you're talking about public big woods, it is very difficult to do much as far as like keeping tabs on a deer throughout the year. But mm-hmm. what you can, I mean, you can do it with cameras and I know we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, and you can do it with shed, shed hunting and, and that's great too. But because of the lack of destination spots, uh, I, I know Midwestern guys who find a lot of sheds typically find them in fields where it's mm-hmm. kind of like the congregating areas. And we don't really, I don't really get that, but you guys do. I know Luke, your property absolutely has some areas that um, could be considered those like destination or congregating areas. Are you seeing like, are you seeing deer activity right now still kind of keeping up or is it slowed down significantly where you hunt? Yeah. So um typically, um, which I've had deer with rut where I'm at specifically on private land, just like family land rut was like December 15th, all the way through like the first of January, kind of in that range where it was like really, really heavy. But then I've had deer chasing at the end of February. So right now is when they're kind of like slowing down, they're back. I've, I've just checked some cameras last week. I've got a lot of the bucks that I had on camera that are that were showing up on a reg during the day. Now they're showing up less because they're going back towards where they're living and where they are in early season. 
Um, they're already dropping their antlers. So yeah, right now it's like basically where they were during early season and that pattern before the rut, that's kind of where they're, where they've moved back to and the, the, that early season kind of feel and that early season pattern or movement, it kind of just goes right back to that. And that's what I'm seeing right now. Are your bucks still holding? Uh, antlers. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got two. Yeah, I've got one. One of the biggest ones that I've got on camera. He just dropped like last week. Um, but I had I had one of them drop before January was even up. It was like the right at the end of January. But I've had them go to the end. Uh, like the latest I've seen was like March twentieth, somewhere in there. Wow. Um. So it's it's yeah, it's crazy. Well, Luke, I you you really hit hit home for me when you were saying that you know these deer are going back to their summer summer living areas. Um, I've got a small piece of property. I mean, it's like eight acres. Um, all summer I didn't have any bucks, very little does. Um, but then you know that stretch between November to February, they were in there thick. I mean, living in there. But now it, it's nothing. I I had. I had one buck come through the other night, but it was, it's just so random right now where they're where they're traveling. And another property, they're kind of just moving through, meandering, and and losing losing their horns, um, which is which is another strange thing for me. This is Ant, the earliest ant, I've seen antlers, them. Matt. Antlers. Okay, sorry. Antlers. antlers. They're antlers. Um, this is the earliest I've seen some of these deer drop. Um, and I, and I think that's cool too, using your trail cameras to, to actually see them drop because then you're like, Hey man, these antlers are now on the ground and I got to go find them. Um, and, and you're I'm doing that. Learning. You're doing it too, I, I, though. That's I'm, the cool I'm thing. I'm learning. I'm learning. I found, found one the other day and, and putting them to get, you know, putting everything together. Um, which I'm not the one to talk to about that. You know, that that's going to be next week, which I, I'm. I'm tickled about that. I, I'm really excited uh, for that to come. But I don't know, just in Alabama, all across the state, rut is different. You you could you could start, you know, people have said this all the time. You you could hunt the rut from the f- first weekend of October to the last week of the season somewhere in Alabama. If you're willing to travel, you can do that. Um, some people think that's insane, but it's it's the truth. Um, so with, with these deer kind of so-called going into a hole disappearing, I, I almost relate it to rut because where I'm at, my rut's late, you know, it's January into February. So now, you know, I'm in the February, March, and I'm looking at these truck camera pictures and all these deer are gone. Well, that's probably the same, same deal for some other people. I mean, but, but Luke, what you're saying your deer, your deer were still hanging around pretty regular after rut. You said they were still kind of pushing, you know, kind of meandering with each other. Is that right? So I mean, it just it almost contradicts yes. itself um, with what's going on with with deer in each each area. It's, it's what I'm getting. But then Parker, you say where you hunt, it's no good after rut. You don't even fool with it. Yeah, and and part of the reason is because. Um like what you just mentioned earlier, we've got opportunity in Alabama to when the rut's done, you can flip and go somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. you can, the, 
the rut might be done, but it's heating up somewhere else in the state until season is over. And so that's what I usually try to do. But, um, I mean, if here at home, if I felt like there was any real strategy that I think could put you in front of or put a, a buck in front of you in the late season, I would probably do it. I haven't figured it out yet. Um, and part of that is probably because I don't shed hunt. Uh, I think it's a, I'm, I am in the, in the category of people where I'm at that I feel like it's a waste of time. If I had somewhere to go, I would probably go. Now that doesn't mean I'm not going to go scout every once in a while in the postseason and like kind of keep my eyes open. I always keep my eyes open during turkey season because I cover so much ground. But I've said it in, in a lot of podcasts. Uh, most of my postseason scouting happens during turkey season because I, I mean, you might as well multitask. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, it's going to turkey, turkey hunting if you're doing it the way that I like to do it, which is moving around, covering, you know, six, seven, eight miles a day when you go out, then, I mean, that's a, that's a healthy scouting trip. You know, even if you only scout for a part of the time or just in between spots. Uh, and I found a lot of spots. I've, I've, I've killed a lot of deer in areas that I found during turkey season in that like kind of postseason scouting slash turkey hunt time frame. Um, I am interested to know though, because we all live in Alabama. Casey, however, lives in the land of, it's not the land of the giants because it's not Iowa. We'll call it the the land of the semi giants. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, in Kentucky, and you in Kentucky, you 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 have this. I've, I mean, I hunt there a lot. Driving through, I mean, there's crops everywhere, and so you really do have uh like these destination areas down the whole highway yeah. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. What what are you seeing in that more like midwestern? I know Kentucky's not technically a midwestern state but it's more of a midwestern style of deer hunting yeah what are you seeing right now um as far as deer activity just even if you're just driving back and forth from work or whatever yeah well i'll tell you right now at the property that i hunt i'm just hunting like a small little 100 acre parcel of of private uh it's definitely slowing down a lot um it's almost back to where it is in the summer like the the parcel that i hunt does not hold deer in the summer like i don't know why like we'll see does maybe a spike or two but we've never really had a ton of deer in the summer a ton of bucks in the summer and then you know once october november december rolls around where they're like like what matthew yeah. was saying they're just firing off everywhere and then right about now like my trail cameras will get like maybe one buck every week so there i feel like maybe they are going back to their summer ranges now i don't really know i'm not I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm like a super knowledgeable deer hunter Yeah. just being so young. And I I haven't, I've only been doing it for eight years maybe, but, uh, yeah, I definitely do see a difference like now than, than like in the like rut. And I, I notice it just driving like to go and turkey hunt or whatever. You cross states to go Mm -hmm. turkey hunt. Um, and you, you just, it, it does legitimately feel like they're crawling in a hole and hibernating sometimes. But, but then once, once summer gets here, uh, around summer, you know, mid Turkey season going into May, I start seeing deer everywhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're, they're all over the place. So I know that they're, they're still there. And I feel like with, uh, a guy like David, who we're going to have on next week, um, 
with a guy like that, like something when you can really use shed hunting specifically as a way to scout and not just a way to pick up antlers, right? Like I think there's two mm-hmm. different goals for shed hunting. Um, some people like, like Dave, like, uh, 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 oh my gosh, I cannot remember the guy's name. Uh, Greg, uh, his name is Greg. I'm pretty sure. Um, a guy from New York that I've talked to before years ago on the podcast, he shed hunts and he legitimately kills the buck. If he finds the shed, he kills the deer, which is just a, that's a feat to me. Like that is huge. And obviously there's something there that I'm missing, right? Like, and maybe it's just because we don't, it's, it's harder to find sheds, but he's going out in big woods areas, finding sheds up in uh, New York finding sheds and he kills the buck and he, he finds a crap ton of sheds too. So I, I do think guys like that and David, um, they, they've figured something out within shed hunting that I'm, I'm very interested in. Yeah, it's, it wows me, but I, I know we were talking about the transition of these deer and you know, a deer, a deer has to eat. Yeah. Um, and there, there's so many different food sources that a deer goes through, but when I so when I when I walk into a wood, say at the end of February, um, I feel like I'm walking into an empty refrigerator. Like in the big wood setting, everything's dead. There, there's there's nothing. You know, um, there, there may be some green briar for them to eat here and there. So as we progress into March, you know, my allergies have been bothering me lately. What you know? Why? Why is that? It's because things are starting to bloom. Things are starting to green up. Yopon's starting to to leaf out, and those are, you know, young forbs and young leaves that those deer are going to browse on like crazy right now. And um, I've heard people talk. You know, if if you go into a, the south, find you a, a privet thicket or a yopon, you know, hedge to where. That's where those deer are going to be living because that's where the food source is. There's no acorns for them to eat. Nobody's really putting corn out right now. I know I quit because it was so stinking expensive this year. And then not many people supplement feed in the South, really. I mean, unless you're on a big a big farm. Um, that's just not, not realistic. But um, it, it's neat that Casey's from Kentucky because I've been dying to go up to Kentucky to get walking around. I think I've told you, Parker, a couple times, like, hey, I want to get up there and just kind of look at it because the, really the only times we were at Kentucky, there were leaves all on the trees, you know, and that that's hard enough scouting, you know, and, and you and I have talked before, would we rather postseason scout or we would, would we rather preseason scout in the summer? And, I, you know, I used to would argue with you that I would, I'd rather preseason scout. I'd rather get out there when the leaves are on the trees, you know, to see what's happening then. Man, I'd rather postseason scout now. Everything's dead. Don't have to deal with bugs. I walked around today. I had like four ticks on me. You know, that that's not fun. And today was, you know, not like, one of the warmer days. Yeah, like 45 degrees. Yeah. All day so today. I, I ha- they've, they're, uh, they're starting to move around. But um, that just goes to show, you know, when the leaves are, leaves are off the trees, I feel like it's better for scouting. And it just... The conditions are just so much better, man. And, so much better. And 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 to that point, talking about leaves being off the trees, like if if you're going out to look for sheds and going out to look for 
uh, sign. I always struggle in the summertime to to be able to pick out a deer trail um, because everything's kind of grown up. Uh, and sometimes you can you can see the trails through the weeds and stuff that have grown up. But right now, I mean, the leaves are going to be the leaves that are on the ground. It kind of they're kind of moved out for deer trails. Like you can you can pick out they're matted down or whatever in those deer trails. You're also getting this advantage of being able to see a a shed will pop, right? Uh, not I'm sorry, not a shed, a a rub will pop um, mm-hmm. in the woods when everything's brown and dead and do it. That yellowish orange is still there because those rubs are only a couple months old, um, and so they'll pop a little bit more. Whereas you go in the summertime, um, I, it's hard to see. It's hard to see a whole like. I feel like I, you spend so much time seeing just green, blah, like green blob. Um, it, you you can't pick so out many, things. Yeah, there's so many leaves on the trees that the canopy yeah. is now shaded everything out, and it's dark. You know, you're at twelve o'clock in the middle of the day, and it's it's dark in there because of the canopy cover. Yeah, it's just hard to see. But um, I, I want to, I guess we talk about the transition of summer to regular season and everything. I, and you mentioned it earlier, Parker, about trail cameras. I'm a big trail camera advocate. I love to use them. I use them as a second person to, to scout a whole season for me without me being there. Granted, it only captures like a 10-foot radius. I understand that is the downfall of it, but it gives me a general idea how these deer are acting. And I, I just want to put this in y'all's y'all's head. You know, it, we're still early. You don't you don't have to put cameras out right now or anything, but just, you know, give y'all something to think about. Um, I've been doing this now for the last, I guess, three years. Um, and it's not just putting a trail camera up and letting it, you know, whatever. I find an area that I have an idea of. Um, I'm curious of what's in there but I don't want to spend my time going there. It may be, you know, a place that's an hour and a half from the house, a mile walk back in. And I don't want to burn, not not necessarily burn a hunt, but I don't want to invest my time on a place that may be iffy. You know, how many times do we go in a spot and you walk to it and you're like, man, this ain't what I thought it looked like. You know, that this, this isn't what I, I had plans on. And you, you're, you're, be, you're better off to just leave. You know, it's you chalk it up as a scouting trip. But um, I've gotten to the point where I'll go in these areas, scout them out a little bit, and I'll throw a camera up, and I'll leave it for a whole year, for a whole season. Um, this last year, I left one up from June to February. And, man, what you can learn from that, put it on video mode, and I learned so much from that area, with, you know, to where when those deer use it during the summer, where they're using it when the season starts, see how their change in pressure goes. You know, just a, a seamless amount of video to where there's no interruption. And you get to see if there's people going in there. Yeah. Because that's, you know, I try to stay away from people. And when I put these cameras out, um, I put one out a couple years ago, left it all season. I had a picture of a guy one one time. He was in there one time. I did it again the next year. I, t- I put a cell camera up. I told myself I was going to hunt in there. Well, that sucker, he must have seen what I saw on the camera because he was in there like every other weekend. <laughs> and, it, you know, 
I'm, I don't want to walk a mile to compete compete with another guy. You know, I, I just don't. If he's going to put in the work, I'm not going to fight him fight him for yeah. it. Um, but that's just me. But it as far as what the deer do, um, I put all my stuff over a mock scrape. You know, people can argue if even mock's even great. this early, like or I guess yeah, even postseason. It yeah yeah postseason yeah deer deer check scrapes year round right. Um, they're they're always using them. I mean, I've seen you know folks will make a post on Facebook, you know, and during turkey season, oh they they're still working the scrapes. And, yeah, because they use that as a central. You know, they, that's how they keep up with their herd. Um, Rut, ruts late this year. Yeah, just just wild stuff, and and I I get it, you know, a lot of deer in Alabama will hold their horns through turkey season, you know, sometimes after antlers, man. um, antlers, <laughs> I, y'all, y'all are gonna get me on that because I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna so say funny. it again, but before the night's ever, I'm gonna say it again. <laughs> say horns, hey, but we'll yeah, correct horns. you when you do it. I, I'll I'll say horns again, um, but uh, yeah, so. I'll I'll do mock scrape. I almost got on the the vine trend. Have y'all seen that? Where the people put the the licking vine or whatnot? Almost put a rope up in the woods, but I did it. It did freaking it work. worked. It did. It blew my mind. Yeah, there's a guy in Mississippi that um, my dad was actually talking to like this past year, and he was talking about doing it, and I did it two years ago um from the whitetail habitat solution guy he i was watching some of his stuff it worked they have made a scrape under that for the past two years it's crazy God. i was like i was like I'll, I'll try and i put it i put it right right beside a trail like the whole stuff that you're supposed to do mm-hmm. it worked i just tied a rope i cut a vine tied a rope to it and i was like what the heck yeah yeah the you the what you said about the trail that's huge um getting it by a trail like I, most of mine are right off or right i mean i make that scrape as big as i can make it make it look like a car hood you know get their attention because they're, they're curious creatures man like like a food plot like when you till a food plot up you you may have not put any seed in there but there's gonna be deer tracks all in that fresh dirt because they're curious they can smell it um that that's how a deer lives you know they, they're gonna beat you with their nose more than anything and so they're going to be curious and go, go and find it. But, uh, yeah, so I left the camera the whole year, came back and checked it. And the amount of bucks that were coming through there, there, there was no new bucks. I, I, I was really surprised with this area. I had the same bucks in October that I did in January or in December. Um, now, what we talked about earlier about just going nothing, you know, just like everything in the woods died, like an atomic bomb went off. It ha- it happened to that place. Um, right after December, I'd say the thirtieth, it just fell off. I mean nothing. Um, and I'd have an occasional occasional deer come come here or there, but it was just it was wild. It That's, just turned turned to nothing. What you're talking about right here, Matt, is like I think people. I think a lot of people. <sighs> I'm trying to, maybe not a lot of people, what I have done in the past versus what I do now. And I, and I consider myself to be a little more efficient now than I was in the past, but I would go into an area. You mentioned this earlier about, uh, you, you go into a, an area this time of the year or in the late season and it feels void. 
like when I go in the woods uh, here at home during deer season in January, in the in the the areas that I spend most of my time in, rut's already over. It your your explanation was very good. The empty fridge is what I feel feel like I'm walking into. However, um, you. If I'm going, if I go into an area in January to kind of like scout slash maybe hunt, if I happen to see a deer, I'm I'm gonna cover a lot of ground. I I usually will deer hunt the way that I turkey hunt right there in January if I'm hunting here at home, and I spend a lot of time covering ground. Uh, and it would be really easy to go in there and say I'm never going back because mm-hmm. I didn't look like a deer had been there in weeks, but. It, I mean, those areas like that that I have found, they've produced, right? Like, and and I don't, I don't do a lot of detailed scouting. Kind of what you were saying earlier, like you just kind of walk in and throw a camera up. I don't, I don't do that. I don't use a lot of cameras. I, I would like to probably this upcoming season because I think it'll make me a little more efficient. But uh, I don't put cameras up. But I will lightly scout it and say like, okay, well here's a big giant rub and five scrapes. There's mm-hmm. deer here at some point. I'm not going to invest a ton of time into it right now. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do a whole lot of scouting. I'm going to. I'm going to lo- look at the terrain. I'm going to say, okay, I know that there's deer here because I I hit the outskirts and there was sign. I know there's deer here. Then I'm going to go home and I'm going to look at my map and I'm going to say, okay, this is where I. If if there was sign here, I know there's deer using it. This spot right here looks like the spot and if there's deer that are using this area they're gonna be right here and i'll bank that i'll put a pin on it bank it maybe try to hit it during turkey season just to cover a little bit more ground in there and learn a little bit more about the terrain but if i find a halfway decent amount of deer sign on the outskirts like on the in in a fringe area of an area then i'm probably just gonna bank it and hunt it next year Like to me, that's good enough because what I know is I'm not going to be able to go in and find a ton of fresh sign. Um, It it might be weeks, months old at that point. But if I know that there's deer in an area, I feel very confident in myself to be able to go in during season and pinpoint the areas that I know deer bucks particularly like to use during the rut or during pre-rut or post-rut. Uh, and I, and I'll attack it that way. And what, I, what it does, it's, it's very similar to a camera, probably less efficient than a camera would be because I don't actually know what's there, but it's very similar in that I don't put my, I don't even risk spooking anything out of there. Right. Like I, I just don't, that's just how it's always been. Um, I'll know there's deer there, go back during the season and in season scout to try to pinpoint and then hunt it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, to me, I don't think there's a better time to go do that, but I think people get fooled a lot by going into an area and saying that, you know, there wasn't any sign there. Well, there wasn't any sign there because the deer aren't using it right there, right, right now. Like something happens whenever they, whenever those bucks lose that testosterone and drop the antlers. I know Matt, you found a couple of sheds in areas where I would assume at this point, the bucks have kind of moved out, but they shed their antlers there. And yeah. so that tells me when those testosterone levels really start picking up, there's something about that area that really, that they like. Um, and probably it's 
probably does, if I had to guess. I know when my testosterone's high, <laughs> there's only one thing that can fix that. Um, so that that's that's kind of where I'm at. I think I think it's easy to get fooled by postseason scouting and thinking there's no deer there, but in fact, you, you just kind of have to know the things to look for. And again, pumping this episode that we're going to do next week with Dave, I feel like he's going to have a lot of a lot of insight to what they are actually doing and why they're doing it. Um, and that's things that I can't answer. I don't know. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. Yeah, to that, Parker, um, that is so true because uh, there were three three different scenarios that happened this past season. Um, and Matt, you're spot on. Like, I leave my cameras up year round. And it really, to be honest, it takes a full season to really have, to me, a good grasp on, okay, this is the movement. This is why they're doing it. Like, to bring it full circle. Because then it's like, oh, this is what I assumed, and then it's true or not true. Um, But, like, um, especially early season last year, there were two places that were both on public um, that I knew without a doubt finding the sign because of acorns. I didn't know. I'd never been to these spots. I just thought this is what I'm. This is what I'm listening to on podcast. Everything lines up to this is the spot that you want to hunt if it sets up like this. And sure enough, there were deer there, and I knew that there were deer there. But like what you were saying, Parker, in other spots, and I wouldn't have known this until last year. Um, there's a spot on on private that I just. I was in season scouting. It was like the first of January. I was in season scouting and I found a trail that was just a really hot trail. And I was like, well, this is kind of odd because I've never noticed this trail. And it was like right in rut. It was like the, the, where I, I just assume you hear about a second rut happening. I just assume that different groups of does came in to, to breed. And so um, they started chasing again. And at the end of season, I didn't even hunt it. At the end of season, I checked that camera and I had almost all of those, you know, quote unquote, target bucks, bucks that I'd seen on camera that I was, I had no idea where they were at. They were moving in and out of that trail and it was just during rut. I put the camera up. um, I left that camera up and checked it before season. So it had till the end of season to the beginning of season. And there were, I mean, maybe three bucks in velvet, like one picture, three bucks in velvet, and then does moving through. And I was like, I'm just going to leave this until rut because I know if if they did this this past season, they're probably going to do it this season. Sure enough, 
I left that camera out and I checked it this past season and it did they did exactly what I thought they would. When rut hit, those bucks were moving from neighboring property and transition funneling down through that trail onto different properties. And it was like my camera just blew up and it was just for rut. But during out of season, that trail, I was like, God, dude, I ruined that trail. Like they know that I, or they knew that I set my camera up. And so I moved my camera higher on the tree and it wasn't, it was just that they weren't using that until rut. And it, it was like a light bulb. I was like, that is amazing. Cause I thought they would do that and they did. So yeah, just because it, just because there's not a whole lot of deer sign there at that moment, doesn't mean that there's not deer. You may just have to wait and see what's going on. Yeah, Luke, you, that applies to me for early season. Um, you, you kind of said you left that camera from the end of the season to the beginning of the next and you had just a couple velvet bucks, right? Um, I used to would get too early of a start, um, scouting. I'd put up a camera, you know, I, I want, I'm okay. Not too early. I'd, I'd put up a camera like July and I'd leave it. I'd come back and check it in September and I'm thinking, oh, there's just, there's going to be some massive velvet bucks on there. <laughs> and I may have like three does and a, and a spike or something. And it's just, man, that, that'll take the air out of you right there because you, you've, you map scouted all summer. You found this honey hole and you put it in there and the deer aren't in there. When you have your camera in there, or when you're in there, you're just in there at the wrong time. That's all it is. It, it's, it's all about timing uh, with, with whitetails. Um, you know, whether it's rut, early season, what whatever pattern they're on. And I I get discouraged real quick because of because of deals like that. And I'll I'll ride a spot off before I even give it a chance to to turn into anything. And that's that's one of my flaws. So, you know, with the with the postseason scouting and leaving cameras out and just finding an area, you've got to trust the process. And you, you hear that all the time. Um, from folks, whether it be sports or just a, a business business decision, just let things play out. I think a lot of times us hunters we get too too hyped up about finding a big buck or having to get a picture of a big buck. Why don't you just hunt an area because you know there's going to be one in there in this you know ten fourteen day window, and that's when you hunt that place and. And that's how I've kind of started trying to get my spots is when I'm putting these cameras out, I find out three or four areas what their rut window is. And then I can put that rut window on my calendar and I can say, well, I'll be at this spot this week. I'll be at this spot the next week, this spot the next week. And I just rotate them in and out. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty neat how, you know, a long, long term, you know, inventory count. This is all on public land where I'm doing this. I don't do this on any of my private. It's all on public. So it's just, it amazes me. So here's where I found a gap for me in my knowledge. Um, I, I know I'm similar to what you're talking about. Like I know the areas that I can go into deer in the rut and kill deer. Right. Um, this year was a, a large exception that but for the most part i'm very confident that when it's rut time i i've got the areas pretty much nailed down where i can i can find a buck and i say this year is an exception uh it took me a lot longer but i did eventually make it happen um but uh 
I want to get better at killing deer in the early season, specifically early season, but also postseason. The the thing about postseason in Alabama is there's really not a postseason because you can find a rut like we talked about earlier. You can find a rut basically from uh, end of November all the way through the end of the season. You, you can hunt rut. but So early season is where I really want to learn how to get efficient at. And so obviously, like, this is a podcast. I usually try to share things that I'm knowledgeable knowledgeable about um, when we're doing a podcast like this where we don't have a guest. But uh, in order to really set up next week's episode, I want to acknowledge that I have a gap or, or a lack of knowledge when it comes to early season whitetail hunting. Um, and I don't know, I don't do a ton of summer scouting anymore. I don't do any trail cameras. Um, not really for any other reason other than I, like, I just kind of don't want to spend the money to buy trail cameras, if I'm being honest. Um, and I get like Tasco. Yeah. Well, I have a bunch of them. I get paralysis. Like, what is it? Analysis paralysis on where to put the camera at. And it, it flips oh, me yeah. out, man. I'm like, where do I, do I put it here? Do I put it here? It's kind of a stressful event for is me. It at the, is it at the right angle? Yeah. Is that, is that there? Is, it's probably did not going to, it's probably not going to work whenever back, I come get it. <laughs> two miles back to the truck. Did I turn it on? I yeah. can't remember. So like the amount of stress that it causes me is pretty high, but I know that there's a that I that I have a lack of knowledge in the area of killing early season whitetails. So now that I feel like I've got a good grasp on a, a lot of confidence in rut tactics uh, and and how I hunt the rut, I want to get really good at this. And I think I think there's a way, and I think it has a lot to do with this time frame that we're talking about of postseason scouting or or like figuring out that transition from there from the rut like when you where the places where you find all that rut sign and figuring out that transition trying to trying to use the transition from rut to postseason and learning what deer are doing and i think it will make you better at being a uh an early season hunter uh because like what we've all talked about what you guys seem to notice is right now it go they're they're going back to summer range um, but I do think there's an in-between somewhere. There's almost like a, mm-hmm. there's almost like a, uh, uh, purgatory between the two where I think if you can figure out that like transition area, and I don't mean transition area as in like a hard line transition. I mean like a, like their transition from, uh, fall to, or winter and fall to summer. If you can figure that out, I, I think in that here in Alabama and in most of the South, we don't really have a an early season, right? Like the like Kentucky opens up in September. We don't really get that here. I know um, Florida opens up fairly early. Georgia opens up fairly early. Um, but actual deer season, like most of the deer season, so I'm I'm guessing in like the October range, where most people think there's a lull. Um, I think it's a transition that hap- that's happening. Uh, and we got to figure out where that is. I want to figure out where that is because I want to kill freaking bucks in October. Um, I'm tired of waiting until December here in Alabama to dang hunt a buck. You know, I want to do it all season. I want to feel confident in it. Uh, and I think a lot of people probably 
probably find themselves in the same position where you're like, man, I don't want to wait. Some guys got to wait until flipping February to hunt the rut. Mm-hmm. And the season opens in October. You got months of time. Casey's over here. All he's got to do is hunt a few weeks before it's peak rut in Kentucky. You know what I mean? So you're not wore out. You're not tired. You can go in with a whole lot of confidence in an area and really grind it out. But for a lot of us Southern guys where we have late ruts, man, how much better would it be if we could capitalize in the early season? So much weight off your shoulders. My goodness. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Parker. Um, especially so I've got a theory, um, which it makes sense in my brain. I just haven't tested it out yet because like the amount of time that I spend in season, like you said, in season scouting and the amount of time that I'll walk around, like especially this past season, that I walked around, whether on public or private land. And just basically tried to piece things together. Trying to do that during early summer to me is even harder because the that spot, and I'll tell you why I think this, and again, it makes sense, which I'm probably just like preaching to the choir here, is I found a spot on private that it was an area that I had no clue existed. The only reason I found it was because I was tracking the deer this past season. And it was a spot that was just so tight, knit, thick garbage crap that I had to go through to follow this dog where it opened up. And I thought, what the, there was so much sign, buck sign in that area. And I thought, that's exactly what they're doing. And again, I may be preaching the choir here, but spending the time in summer and which it sucks because everything's grown up, but basically what? I mean, it would take a ton of walking because you're having to almost like, I think of it like kicking a quail up out of the grass. It's like you're having to get so close and hit so spot on to where a buck's living. That is like the start, almost like the start of you even being able to have a chance of killing it other than just getting lucky in early season. And so like this year, that's what I'm going to try to do is like in season or before season, like in summer and stuff, like really hit some thick, nasty stuff where I know there's deer sign and I know that there's food for them to eat, but trying to really pinpoint where a, where bucks are and and try to capitalize on that. So I don't know. Like you said, I th- it's just and that's why it's so hard to kill them. It's just so hard to find that spot because it's so small. And if you look, if you, if anybody looks or follows the Mississippi deer lab boys, they just posted their, um, their maps on like their, the deer that they have collared on the different colors where you can see their travel patterns on like, it's like a time-lapse video. It's so small in early season. And then like when rut hits, it looks like a kid just took the paper and started drawing all over it. And then it's like, when the rut stops, they just go back to little bitty areas where they've got food, they've got water, they don't have to really go anywhere because they're not looking for anything. They're just looking to survive. Man, that you get on roll right there talking about that, Luke. That's, and, that's and, awesome. And listen, I mean, one of the things Luke talked about just then was tr- uh, track using a tracking dog, and I can't tell you how many times I've been on tracks even if it wasn't with a tracking dog 
I can think of one particular instance last year where I shot a doe. The very first doe of the season was on October 4th, two years ago, two seasons, season before last. And I had scouted this area, found a persimmon tree that was dropping, shot her, and I was tracking her kind of the direction that she went. And it was literally 40 yards in front of where I was at towards a house. There was like a house over there um, and a, like a, a bunch of pines that looked like they were wide open. Well, as I'm tracking in there, I'm st- everything starts getting like what you're talking about, like tighter and tighter and tighter. And I mean, it was unreal deer sign 40 yards away from where I was at and where I just hadn't gone into that spot. You can learn a lot. I, I would, I would suggest everybody taking in, into account whenever you track a deer, what, pay attention to where it's going. It's not just going somewhere random most of the time, sometimes maybe, but a lot of the time, especially if you hit them in the guts or like a shoulder shot, something that's not going to be like an instant death. A lot of times they're going to start heading towards home. They're going home. Yep. And, so and I've true. even heard people talk about these bucks heading towards their, or when they're wounded, heading towards their original home range, like where they were born, that home range. Um, I've heard people talk about them doing that too. But you really do. I've found so much stuff that I never even knew existed from tracking a deer because they're, they're going to go to those safe, those safe areas. That's, that's free info right there. You don't, you don't got to pay for that free. one. That's something no that, that is absolutely, absolutely true. Man, um, I, Luke, Luke, you hit it hard too. I mean, y'all, y'all are talking about these areas, and say you want to find them, and we're saying, you know, we get, we're gonna have to get in there in the summer and get in the thick, nasty stuff and do it. No, you don't. Go there right now when the when the leaves the leaves aren't on the trees. You don't have to beat it, and that you know that's kind of where this whole episode is kind of leading is what, what can we be doing now? You know, how can we be productive now as a deer hunter in the lull of turkey season, fishing, whatnot? How do we, how do we get out and um, maximize our effort efforts for the next season to kill that early season? buck? well, you get out now and you go to these areas that you've never been to. Um, with me, I'm walking on private land on, on places I don't touch during the season. Cause that's where I think the deer live. Well, right now I get this. I can tell if they're living there or not. Well, I was walking the hillside the other day, a south facing slope, and I found like four or five beds that confirmed. You know, they're sitting, they're set up perfect for where I'm feeding them with corn, where the neighbors got a green field. They're, they're, it's like almost the Bermuda Triangle. They're just sitting there. They've got a bed, and they can go to either side and and have food. And there's water right in the middle of them. So. Why not? You know, say you have a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday, just go and walk through the woods. The briars aren't going to hurt you near as bad now as they will in the summer. You're not going to get poison ivy unless you just lick the vine. You know, it's it's not, you know, it's prime time to get out there and, and find these things because it's perfect weather and there's, you know, all the critters aren't going to eat you if you fall on the ground. That's right, man. And yeah, you're talking about going in and, and- really trying to penetrate these areas that you're staying out of during deer season. Um, Luke, I saw that. I saw that face when I said penetrate. And now. Hey, not my fault. Everybody who thought, (laughs) it's kind of like when somebody says the number 69 and everybody's like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I mean, I'll be the one. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, but but you can get into these areas. I like. I really really like going into clear cuts right now. Um, during turkey season, a lot, especially early turkey season, get into those clear cuts. Uh, because or like cutovers or like thickets. Um, because like what you talked about, Matt. Like it, it's so much easier to get around. I I don't know if anybody's ever tried. To walk through like a, you know, a four or five year old cut, um, during season, like if the, if that stuff isn't dead yet, good freaking luck. But right now it is dead, and we actually have had a fairly cold winter, um, to where it's going to be really dead, and you can move around in those areas. A lot of the times, like when when I was talking about tracking deer, a lot of times you track deer through clear cuts. Because they'll go into those clear cuts and die. And you start seeing like beds. Because every, every clear cut that you find doesn't. It's not that every single one's going to have deer in it. It's easy to think that. That they will. Because they look so deery. But there are certain ones that are going to have. A little more of a benefit. Whether it's in closer proximity to. Doe bedding or. A, a really like a heavy food source or something like that. Um. And you can start putting those pieces together when you're going into those clear cuts because I, I always picture the clear cuts as like, like that's that's the bed that's bedroom for a lot of the bucks out in the south because we have a lot of clear cuts and it's thick, it's got food, it's got cover, it's it, it it's got everything right. Um, and when you're able to get into those those cuts, I would say if if I have one piece of advice just that I that I feel very confident on. This time of year, something that somebody could do this time of year is walk through those clear cuts that you plan to hunt and walk like zigzag them. Try to find stuff. Try to find rubs because you will. If it's a like there's little saplings, you're going to find those little uh like little whip rubs. Like you'll find all that kind of stuff and you can really piece together a puzzle by walking into those. And it's the cool thing about a clear cut is for the most part, I, I just said like they're not all going to be the same, but it is. It, it's kind of like a cornfield, you know what I mean? Like you, we go out to Kentucky, you walk through a cornfield, and you're going to find deer sign. You're going to see the trails where they're entering in, and a lot of times, what we end up doing is setting up on those heaviest trails that we find with the most sign. When you're able to do that in a clear cut, uh, what makes it different from like a destination food source like crops or something like that is that they're going to leave big sign inside of the food inside of the clear cut as well. And that is a huge piece of the puzzle because then you're able to say like, okay, there's bucks here. It's not just does. It's not just a trail that I'm looking at. It's actual buck sign. And to me, that's about as valuable as, as anything you can, you could ask for. And I've spent, I've wasted so much time in season hunting the edges of a clear cut that just looked like it was going to be money only to walk through it during turkey season or um while scouting and be like crap there isn't even anything coming through here you know what i mean um you you really will find out a lot of stuff through that i can think of one spot in particular that if you look at it on the map or look at it in person you're like i will kill a big buck here i think that every time i walk in there and i check it every year because it looks that good um to this day, never killed a big buck in there and haven't seen a whole lot of deer. Uh, I think I've seen one deer in that spot, and it was a tiny basket rack deer. Um, 
And so, like, you could, people really, if all they're doing is going by based on how something looks without ever actually putting, like, putting your boots on the ground and really trying to break that down, it's easy to get fooled that way. And you can spend a, you can waste a lot of time hunting places like that during the season. The thing that I like about postseason that I can actually get into those spots, like what you said, Matt, you can actually go in there and look at it. And uh, like you, like like Luke was talking about earlier, I, I do feel like I'm preaching the choir. We're not telling anything, any new information, but um, more than anything, I feel like we're just trying to encourage, right? Encourage people to. This is just one more person telling you to scout in the postseason because it's definitely worthwhile. And again, with with Dave, I think I think there's going to be a lot of those like kind of voila moments in that episode based on what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I, everybody falls into what you're talking about, Parker, with the clear cuts. Like, you, you'll see every every old man, that ha- he has a story, oh, I set up on this clear cut on a cold, crisp morning, and this big old buck came cruising, and I killed him. You know, and that's that's kind of a southern man's perfect story of a deer hunt. But the, these areas age out. Um, which a lot of people don't, don't think about, but, but over time. And Matt, you're, you're, you're a good guy to talk about that because you, it's kind of your job to understand how clear cuts work. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The growth and regeneration of of the trees. And it's, it's pretty neat. You know, Alabama is known for Southern pine. Yeah. That's what we grow. Loblolly pine. Well, I'm a hardwood man. That's that's what I buy. I buy hardwood timber, cut hardwood timber. I want it to grow back. Um, and a lot of times you see when when people um, plant back in these pines, you know, you'll they'll come through and they'll spray it. They'll do a um, a, a woody brow spray and just keep keep any um, woody vegetation from growing. You know, so a lot of these stands are pines with with grass. You know, you'll see sage grass growing through them. And you know that that can look very appealing, and I've seen videos of deer bed in it, but I, I, I've never had any luck in that. I, I don't don't have much luck. What the areas that I find luck in with that is, is natural regeneration with high stem count that have patches in them. You know, there there may be an open area here or there because these deer, I mean, they they need to kind of move around too because. You know they don't want to be stacked on each other. They don't want to be laying up against everything. And they got to get away. Yeah, they've got to get out. Escape. Yeah, they got to move. Um, I I struggle to run out of a clear cut. You know, it's it's not easy. But but aging, you know, of of a stand year after year, um, the timber's going to change. The food's going to change inside that area. Um, the sunlight uh, hitting the ground is going to change. So you know, be be able to adapt to that and find find different um age classes that are going through their um their growth cycle because to put those in rotation i mean if you can you can have a key area and just move from stand to stand on uneven age stands it's great stuff absolutely absolutely man i mean i'm i am uh like i said earlier i i realize that i have a gap or a a lack of knowledge about a lot of this kind of stuff particularly um shed hunting i don't i I don't do that at all um i'd like to you know it's one of those things that i'd like to do um 
but I want to learn how to. I, I do. I want to learn how to kill deer in the early season, and I think this is a huge part of it. So, yeah, boys, I'm really looking forward to next week. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Quick reminder for people: uh, if you got questions about this, man, send it in. We want next week to be. Uh, we want to be able to present Dave with a legitimate list of things that you know can can actually help, and it's not just. The thing I don't like about podcasting, one of the hardest things, is that we do it every single week, and it's hard not to regurgitate things, um, and it's just going to happen. But I truly do believe that this is something that we haven't focused on as much as we should. Um, and the reason I the reason I know that is because, for the most part, when we're talking about a lot of this stuff. I'm learning still right now. It's not like I have a whole lot of knowledge to give out. So um, send in those questions. Boys, thanks for coming on. Matt, do you have anything you want to wrap up with? I think that was great. Thank awesome. y'all. Awesome. Thank and you, guys. Casey, me and you are going to go get after some turkeys tomorrow. Yes, we are. How about that? Y'all suck. Well. I'm so jealous. We got a long drive to South Florida, and from what I've heard, it is uh, South Florida does not it, it just it, it's not easy <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how it goes but y'all be it, safe all right y'all be back next week for another episode of the southern ground hunting podcast thanks for listening hey guys thanks for listening to this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast you can keep up with southern ground hunting by following us on facebook or instagram or subscribing to the youtube channel and you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.